Welcome to the Modern Law Library. I'm your host, Lee Rawls, and today I'm joined by the co-author of the book, Beyonce Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. Liel Levy is joining us today. Liel, thank you so much for joining us to talk about your book. Hi, Lee. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. So you're the co-author of this book. Tell us about yourself and your co-author. Great. Excellent. Well, as you've said, my name is Liel. I was uh, born and raised in Mexico City to an Israeli family, as a matter of fact. So I grew up between both Israel and Mexico, but I also spent, used to spend as a child and as a teenager, most of my summers in LA. And when I came to LA, I had the opportunity to spend time with my uncle who used to, well, he still lives here in Los, Ange in Los Angeles. I'm in Austin, Texas, by the way. And at the time when I was very, very young, like three, four year old, he was starting to build joint advertising company that was looking to target uh, injured Hispanics in the Los Angeles area. And it was really interesting to see how that went from just being local advertising to really multi-state brand that ended up dominating pretty much workers' compensation and personal injury in the markets of New York, Chicago, Los Angeles with the Hispanic market. And um, that really gave me the opportunity to grow up learning legal Hispanic marketing and at the same time gain experience marketing to the His uh, U.S. Hispanic community. And then at some point, Natalie, who also had a lot of experience working for this brand since 2010, and I decided that it was time to also allow lawyers that are now seeing an opportunity of building their own brand with a Hispanic market to have an opportunity of doing so and doing it effectively, rather than having to rely on third-party lead generation, on joint advertising organizations to actually have an opportunity to engage with a Hispanic market. One thing I found really fascinating and hadn't thought about before reading the book doesn't even specifically deal with the Hispanic market yet. It talks about what the difference is for law firms and legal professionals when it comes to what your goal is with marketing, which is, you know, usually marketing is the first step is making someone aware uh, that they need your product. And that can be, you know, oh, does your breath smell fresh? And you get the person thinking, does my breath smell fresh? Maybe I do need this new toothpaste. But as you point out in the book, people who are already online or in other ways searching for attorneys, they know why they need an attorney. That's not what you're trying to do. Make them aware of their problem. They're aware of their problem. <laughs> So that was something I'd never considered before. And what does that mean for you as a specialized law firm legal marketer? Uh, what should lawyers and law firms then concentrate on instead of that sort of classic making you aware of the problem? Well, so the reality is that in the society that we live here in the U.S., it is designed in a way that legal representation is something that is just needed a certain intersections in your life, right? Whether it's that because you've been in an accident, whether it's that because you want to change your uh, immigration status, whether it's because you've been found or charged with a, a crime or because you're filing bankruptcy, whatever the case may be, there is a point where you're going to have to use an attorney. And so 
people, Latinos in the United States already are encountering themselves in these situations. And for that reason, they're already at times proactively searching for attorneys. And so we always tell lawyers, start by targeting those. They are already in the market searching for a lawyer, right? Now, the most effective way we found that to work is if you go where they are searching and Latinos right now are searching on their mobile devices on search engines like Google. Now, I will advocate, however, that building a brand, whereas when you go and take and exercise those campaigns where you're really promoting why your brand stands out from the rest is also very important because when, when someone including Latinos, get to that intersection when they're, okay, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I'm going to need a lawyer. The thought process goes into two directions. One, do I know a lawyer or I do not know a lawyer? And to get someone to do I know a lawyer can be achieved through those other marketing strategies where you've built your brand throughout the years to the point that they feel so familiar to it that they're not going to Google to search for a lawyer. They're going to Google to search for your law firm right? And that's very valuable and very, very powerful. But at the same time, you also want to make sure that you're discoverable for people that may not necessarily know your brand, yet they are searching for the services that you're providing. And when they're searching for the services you're providing, another thing that I really liked that you said in the book was, don't think about this as just an attempt to drive traffic to your homepage. That is not as effective as having various landing pages where Let's say you do bankruptcies and you are counting on your Hispanic clients, maybe primarily Spanish speaking, maybe entirely Spanish speaking, to be looking for um, that particular service. Then rather than sending them to the homepage, what would you suggest you do? Yes, 100%. You want to make sure, particularly when we're working in Google Ads, first of all, you want to make sure that your campaign is extremely relevant for the keywords that you're targeting because that's going to give you quality score. And quality score is a good, is a real thing that Google calculates on your campaign. And it will basically going to determine ultimately where you're going to end up on the ad rank on the search results page. So are you going to be on the very, very top of the page, position one? Are you going to be the third advertiser or you're going to be one of those advertisers at the bottom of the page? So obviously bottom of the page is not a good place to be because chances are the user is not going to even get there. And actually there is a big, big, big click-through rate difference that you can expect from being on position number three or position number one. So you're definitely going to want to do everything in your hands to get yourself to position number one. Sorry, I, I throw in there a term that probably not everyone knows click-through rate. That is the amount of times that your ads are getting clicked based out of the number of impressions, impressions being the times of time, the number of times that your ads is getting, getting shown on the search results page in this case that we're talking about the search network in Google Ads. So you want to make sure that if you are, as you as you said, if you're if you're uh, running a campaign for uh, bankruptcy, bancarrota, abogado de bancarrota, you want to make sure that when the user clicks on that landing page, they're not actually going to debt consolidation page. Why? Because it's not the same term that they actually use. They use bankruptcy. And so you wanted to speak directly to their intent. And the other thing that is very efficient about landing pages, Lee, is that they are built and designed for conversion. 
they don't have that much information as your website. Your website is built for, for, for a more general purpose. There's a lot of info there. There's all your different practice areas. There's all the information about all the different lawyers that work there. It can be overwhelming for a user to get in there. Whereas a landing page, it just establishes a clear and easy path to the next stage, which is the conversion. And that could be a telephone call or, or a form submission. And particularly for consumer-focused law firms, the phone call is the most desired type of conversion. And so for that reason, landing pages are great. Now, of course, you want to use call extensions on your ads as well, because some users will be reassured enough with a copy on your ad itself and convert from the search results page by clicking directly on your phone number there and initiating the call. And as you point out, you know, if you're looking for a lawyer, what you want is to basically, I need to speak to a lawyer as soon as possible. And I need to speak to a lawyer who specifically can help me. I'm looking to talk to someone today if possible. And I thought that that was a really good point about the kinds of consumers that lawyers and law firms are trying to attract. They want to hear back from you immediately. They don't want to hear back from you four days from now. Say. Absolutely. And you know what? It's actually interesting you're bringing that up because I was looking yesterday through an American Bar Association research that said that the average law firm takes three days, like into one, two, three days, 72 hours to respond to a form submission that a user may send from the website. And of course, when you're thinking and considering things like uh, personal injury, whether it's um, uh, family law, whether it's immigration, there is a sense of urgency in all of these things and users are not going to wait 72 hours to hear back. They're just going to move on to the next law firm that is actually available to give them answers uh, right there and then. So that's definitely something to really consider. I'd like to back off a little bit and let's get into what we're talking about when we talk about the Hispanic market. Because as you point out, this is not a monolith. We say Hispanic market and this is covering people both who are born in the United States and also who come from at least two different continents. So when you talk about the Hispanic market, in the book, you drill down into five kind of types, uh, five groups that you can market to. Could you talk about that a little bit, how you decided to divide that up, whether those are definitions you came up with or whether they're industry standard and who they represent? Right. Well, first of all, these sub-segments were created by Claritas, which is an organization that studies market and does uh, market research. And they're actually very, very strong, particularly in segmentation of markets based on cultural traits. Now, what this segmentation, the one that we are using in, in our book, is based on acculturation. And I think that's where every law firm should start understanding and segmenting their Hispanic market. And when we say acculturation, well, we're talking about how much have they adopted American lifestyle compared to other type of Latinx Hispanics who have recently arrived to the United States. And so those would be like our two, our two extremes. First, the ones who have been here for at least three generations, we call those Americanizados. They are primarily English speakers. And then we have Nuevo Latinos, which we call those first generation born Hispanics. 
Now, they are also English first, but they understand very well Spanish and they also speak up to a certain extent well. And then we have ambiculturals. Ambiculturals are very interesting because these are young adults or children who arrived to the United States. They were born not in the United States, but in a Latin country. And then they immigrated to the United States. And then, therefore, they've had exposure to both cultures in the United States and in their place of birth. And they're really bilingual. Now we are uh, really looking at people that learn to speak Spanish first, but then also because they arrived to the United States at a, at a very early age or at an age where they were still able to integrate more easily and adopt the English language, they were able to do so. Then we have the Hispanos, which this is the segment that has that's been in the United States for more than 10 years, but they probably arrived already as uh, adults to the United States. And they continue to speak Spanish predominantly, but they do have certain level of understanding of English and they can use it in certain circumstances, but they don't prefer to, they still prefer Spanish. And then you have what we call Latinoamericanos, right? Which, as I've said at the beginning, is the other extreme to the Americanizado. Latinoamericanos are basically those who have been in the United States for less than 10 years. They're Spanish first, and they have very limited or no English skills whatsoever. And so when you look at each one of these groups, uh, you can then identify which ones are going to be more likely to need different types of services of your law firm, depending also, it's not just about the type of, uh, you know, their language skills as well, but the type of work that they do, right? There's further digging down on the demographic aspects of this. In each one of these segments, you can also know a little bit more about what are their social peculiarities that each one of these groups have. So while the Americanizado would be more integrated to the society now, these, you know, Americanizados, you'll find them working in tech companies. You'll find them shopping at stores like Whole Foods, whereas Latinoamericanos, they're more likely to live on multi-generational households. They're still going to be doing a lot of immigrant labor and very likely going to be buying ethnic grocery stores that are somewhat relevant to their place of origin. So when you're thinking about how you specifically can gain a share of the quote unquote Hispanic market, you need to be thinking about, well, where are the clients that I am most likely to want to bring into my business? What are, what am I offering? So, you know, the needs, you may have only been in the United States for three or four years and predominantly speak Spanish, but Actually, you're here as a, as a business owner, say, and you're looking for help with corporate law, or you could be someone who is still trying to navigate the really labyrinthian uh, system of immigration the United States has. And you just, it's good to look at those uh, segments and see where you, their needs and your abilities match up. Is, is that a good summation? Absolutely, 100%. You know, that's that's a great way to understand who do you should be crafting your messages to, but most importantly, more so than deciding the language element to it, right? Because we still advocate that no matter which one of these subsegments you're going to be targeting, having Spanish presence in your law firm, embracing Latinidad is going to be critical in, or in order to stand out. 
no matter whether you're dealing with Americanizados or Latinoamericanas, you're talking here about a demographic group that cares a lot about identity. Because uh, whether you're talking about Latinoamericanos who recently arrived to the United States or Americanizados who are now showing a, a, a trend of retroacculturation, you want to come become relevant to them by actually showing them that you acknowledge the culture. And so that's going to be very critical. Now, understanding a little bit more about their background, what they do, how their lives, how their daily days look like, that's going to help you better understand, you know, what are their concerns, what type of problems they may have, and for what reasons they may be contacting your law firm. And then you're going to be able to craft messages that are going to be uh, highly relevant to them, taking that into consideration. I like what you said about the fact that you know, these are people who they're looking for not just the, as your title says, Beyonce habla espanol. They're not just looking for that. They're looking for other signs that you understand the culture that you're trying to engage with and trying to serve and that it's genuine, that this isn't window dressing, that you have made a sincere commitment to being available to this community so can you give some examples of how a law firm can make sure that they're doing that? Absolutely. Well, I think the most important thing, and of course I understand here, you know, different size of law firms, some of them have X amount of employees, some of them maybe um, solo practitioner firms. But if you are interested in capturing and engaging the Hispanic market, I think the first step that you need to take is hire talent from the Hispanic community, right? I think that's probably the biggest and most impactful step that you can take towards becoming relevant to them. And of course, lawyers, but also, you know, receptionists, the, oh, the yeah, absolutely. people who you're, you're you know, having face-to-face -face your first interactions with. Across the organization, and actually I would say, you know, depending on the size of your law firm, as I said, not every uh, organization has multiple lawyers. If you yourself as a lawyer, you do not speak Spanish, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to be a Spanish speaker in order to efficiently market and engage with the Hispanic market. But you wanna, you're going to want to consider having your teams or some members of your team be able to uh, speak Spanish well, and as I said, it's not just about the language, but it's also being part of the community that you're targeting to. So I definitely think that's a great first step. And another step that it's going to be very important here is going to be getting involved in the community, right? And when I say getting involved to the community, I'm saying like, do not show up to, to their community events and, and bring your business agenda Find ways that you can actually support the community in a way that it will improve the quality of their lives. And by doing so, you're going to become an ambassador to your brand, number one. They're going to become familiar with you, with your brand name, with what you do. And then they, they all need a lawyer. They'll turn to you because there's already that trust established. There's already that bond that's been created. That is very powerful. And one other thing that we talk about in our book, and we share a lot of examples and statistics about it, is that Latinos are very loyal. Once they align their values to yours, they'll come back, they'll send friends and family. And so it's a long-term relationship that you're building there. I liked too that you said you can't just, even when you get down to the, you know, the five demographics, for most cities that I have lived in, you know, there will be ethnic groups that move to that city. So for example, I, I'm in Chicago. 
There's a very large Polish population here, a large Irish population, things of that nature. And the things you, you brought up Miami in the book, you said in Miami, you have to know that there are many people who came from Cuba, but also there's a smaller but important Colombian population. And those two populations have different signifiers culturally that this is where I come from. These are my concerns. So it's important, too, to know who are the people in my neighborhood? Who are the people? Yeah. Uh, and, and what particular culture do they come from? Because we do use this overarching term, Latinx or Hispanic market, but they come yeah. from very different regions. Yes, absolutely. So the term Latinx is still very generic. And as you've probably already know or heard, not everybody's comfortable with it. And that's fine. Different, different people have different reasons not to feel identified with that term. You have people from countries in Latin America that have an indigenous background that is not getting acknowledged by the Latinx term. And we, we understand that. And it is very important what you're saying, Lee, to dig deeper and understand the different culturas that make up your community. And we think that's definitely your second level of segmentation, right? After you understand acculturation, then you need to understand the different culturas that are in your community so you can be relevant to them. But at the same time, one mistake that we've encountered a lot of law firms making is they're kind of like obsessed too early on about being very relevant to a particular demographic of a particular nationality. And that's not a great approach because then you're not being inclusive because then you're actually leaving out other members of the Latinx community that could potentially be interested in your, in your services. So the first layer should be a more inclusive one that welcomes Latinos in general. And then you can certainly do different outreach strategies so that you can earn additional points and relevancy with uh, particular culturas, but you don't uh, start by going after cultura if you don't have a good understanding of what is Latinidad in your market and most importantly, have good experience dealing with the Hispanic market as a whole. That would be kind of like your second level of segmentation. And we certainly encourage law firms to do so, but you need to take things step by step. What are some other major mistakes that you see your clients or, you know, just you observe being made in this area? What are some of the, the common pitfalls that, that law firms and lawyers fall into? Translation. That's the problem. Translation applied to everything, not just language. So law firms feel that, okay, I want to have a Spanish website. What am I going to do? Well, we're going to translate the English website into Spanish. And they literally translate the website in English to Spanish. And you see Spanish is not, you do not articulate sentences in Spanish the same way that you do in English. And when you do a literal translation, like a Google Translate translation of your website, you're going to end up with text or a site that reads unnatural. And that's not great because it's not going to fulfill its purpose of helping you connect with your audience. I really liked the example you used in the book, how words land on the ear um, that you know, if someone said to you, oh, well, we serve lawyer professionals, that would seem strange to you. You'd be like, do you mean legal professionals or, or lawyers? Yeah. You just, that's not a natural way that you would expect to hear. And that would tell you, oh, this person doesn't necessarily actually know anything about me or what I do. Exactly. It just 
it, it doesn't end up fulfilling the purpose of warming up your visitors to your site to encourage them to want to become clients. And it doesn't just end up there, the whole translation part of it. It translates on assuming that their Latino or Spanish-speaking client is going to be the same as their English-speaking client. And so they also translate the buyer persona or the avatar. And it's not true. That's why I was saying you need to understand the different segments in your community so you understand what are their backgrounds, what are their problems, and for what reasons they may be coming to your law firm. Because it may not be the same reasons than other demographic groups are coming to you. And so that's extremely important. And the third one is the client experience. It's just they do not have a client experience that is custom for their Latinx consumers. And what does this mean? Well, you know, you may be very comfortable using emails and you may be very comfortable doing Zoom meetings with your English-speaking market, but your Latin market may not necessarily prefer communicating with you over emails. They may prefer WhatsApp and they may prefer in-person consultations. So, or to meet at their home with a representative, uh, you know, it really needs to, it will come down to the type of services and type of practice areas that you cover on your law firm. But at the end of the day, the better experience you provide to them, the better you meet them where they are and you adapt to the way they like to do things, the better of a choice for them you're going to be and the more recommendations you're going to get and the faster you're going to get to actually win the Hispanic market. Now, I haven't asked a lot of very specific questions about the Google ad journey essentially, that law firms and legal professionals can use to attract clients. But I do want my listeners to know this book goes in-depth into it. One of the reasons I'm not asking you to really share a whole lot about that is that I think it is more useful to read the book in which you provide a lot of definitions for many of these terms. And that's going to just, I think, be easier for people to read through then have us discuss on the podcast. But there, <laughs> but there is something that um, I would like us to talk about broadly, which is you say that there, you know, people are probably familiar with the term SEO, search engine optimization. That's something that a lot of marketers talk about. It's something that if you've been marketing your firm before, you probably have heard about SEO. And there's actually another term that you say you think is much more important for people who are looking to advertise online to the Hispanic market, and it's price per click. Could you talk a little bit just about those two concepts and why SEO is kind of an old school way to think about it and price per click, it might be more useful for legal marketers? So it's very interesting for me, Lee, to hear how you absorb that information and how you interpret it, because it's actually... SEO and pay-per-click will forever be relevant. Mm -hmm. However, we do, we do say in our book that pay-per-click is the fastest and potentially the most efficient way to get in front of prospect clients that are ready to hire you now. And for that reason is that we explain in our book that you need to learn how to prioritize right? You can definitely start and set up yourself to achieve establishing yourself and positioning yourself in your Hispanic market with an SEO strategy, which I'll explain in a second what does it mean. But pay-per-click would be the way of doing it fast. Now, 
SEO, which stands for search engine optimization, is about how can you get visibility on search engines organically without having to pay you. So pay-per-click actually is going to put you on the top of the search results pages, but you're going to have to pay for every single click. Search engine optimization is going to actually let you show on, in the best case scenario, the first page of search results. And you will never be as high as the ads are because the ads are always going to be the first things that you see when you land on that search results page. But right after the ads finish, you could potentially aim to be there. And the reason why in our book we advocate and say, okay, you need to start with pay-per-click is because you're going to get results faster. SEO, it's going to take time. SEO is not something that you just design a website, put up a little bit of content there, and then tell Google, hey, Google, here's my site. I'm ready for you to rank me on the first page of results for whenever somebody's searching Abogado de Accidentes de Auto or Abogados para Divorcios or Abogados de Ley Criminal. Google is going to say, okay, great. There is your website. Stay online because there is way other websites ahead of you that have already been around for quite some time. They're sending me some very impressive signals of authority. They are posting they're posting content every single week that is highly relevant. They're, they're adding videos. They're doing a lot of things there that they're making them more likely than your website to show up on the first page. So if you want to get on the first page, you'd have to start doing the same things than your, that your um competitors are doing. And we do think lawyers needs to do that, need to do that, but we also understand, well, where do I start, right? Because I need to get clients now first. I need to start generating more revenues in my law firm. And then I may consider taking some of those revenues and reinvesting them into that more long-term sort of strategy. And that's our recommendation. Start with pay-per-click, start seeing results, increase your caseload, then reinvest some of those revenues back into a strategy so you can also cover up the organic side of things and really have a bulletproof strategy. But you are right. We do we do beat SEO very hard in the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as a uh, as someone who is a web journalist, we we also take SEO very seriously, but <laughs> that's right. It has been interesting just to share a little behind the scenes at the ABA Journal the sorts of advertising that we have has definitely changed in the 10 years since I've worked at the magazine. And I definitely see our legal ads have changed from, like you said, pointing people to a homepage to pointing people to a very specific landing page that's trying to accomplish a very specific task, things like that. So it's it's definitely been interesting seeing the internet evolve when it comes to advertising to the legal market. Yes, absolutely. If someone has listened to this podcast and says, great, this is very intriguing. I really have not begun to try and attract specifically the Hispanic market. And now I've decided you've convinced me it's important. (laughs) What's my next step? What's the first thing I should do? Well, as I've mentioned before, it will depend a little bit on their market. Every market is different. Every market has a different type of Latinx community. But to give some general pointers here would be, if you're interested in engaging with with your local Hispanic market and potentially convert them into clients, the first question that I would ask myself is, am I ready to serve Latinx clients? And if the answer to that is yes, then I would recommend you to, as we explained in the book, start 
considering initiating a strategy that's going to help you find Latinos that are searching for lawyers that do what you do right now. And that's potentially going to be the most efficient way of getting started. Now, I would also say, do not wait too long to also get involved in the community. It's not just about offering your services. It's also about giving to the community and being there for them before they actually need you. So I would definitely recommend that. Now, if you're a lawyer that is interested in the Hispanic market, but do not have right now the internal infrastructure to be able to deliver a client experience to Spanish speakers potentially, then I would recommend you to consider initiating your journey by hiring local talent. There is a lot of Latinos uh, in your community that probably already have some legal experience. Maybe some of them have gone to law school. Maybe they're young lawyers. Maybe they're well-established lawyers. Depending on where would you need to fill in a role, you can potentially find talent within your local community. And that's going to be a great way to initiate that process. There's other ways that you can go around it. There's law firms that they outsource their intake and even retention processes to third parties that do it for them. That's another venue that you can explore. But I I strongly recommend bringing some presence in-house from your local community. I think it's a great move. And then once that's been established and you have some basics taken care of, then start with your marketing efforts and with your community reach efforts. All right. Well, Liel, thank you so much for joining us. If people are interested in picking up the book Beyond Se Habla Español, where should they go and how could they contact you to find out more about you and your business and what you do? Well, thank you very much. The book is available in Amazon, so it's as easy as that. You can download you can download it as an ebook, or you can uh, buy a hardcover or a paperback, whatever you prefer. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about our work and our agency, you can visit nanatomedia.com. You will see there a lot of information. We have a very rich blog <laughs> where we constantly are adding new articles that are specific about legal marketing and Hispanic marketing. So yeah, we like to be involved and feel free to reach out to me personally through LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me there by searching Lee Levy. And again, whichever other digital way you'd like to use, feel free to find me there. I know that this podcast is going to be coming in time before uh, we will be actually participating in giving a talk at the Pilma Super Summit next week in Washington, D.C. So um, that's another place where you can actually find me, meet me in person and have a conversation with me about this. Oh, exciting. What days are those? The Pilma Super Summit is going to take place from September 29th to October 2nd. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of next week. And you also have a podcast of your own. Uh, where could people listen to that? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, Incamerapodcast.com. Incamera Podcast is a podcast about private legal marketing conversations. It's me and my co-host, Grace Montialegre from Persist Communications. We have conversations with lawyers and other legal marketing experts and many times amongst ourselves discussing all, type of, all types of trending legal marketing topics. We also talk a lot about mass torts. And yes, it's just a place where we go and have fun conversations with, with, other, with other experts and amongst ourselves. So you can find that at incamerapodcast.com. There are links also on our website. 
Well, thank you so much, Aliel, for joining us today. And thank you to my listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening service.